Good morning, Crossbridge family, and welcome to Crossbridge Online. If you're a guest with us this morning, I especially want to welcome you and just say thank you so much for joining us. And I want you to know that my hope for you is the same as my hope for every single person who joins us in this journey and at this church, and that's simply this. No matter where you find yourself today, I hope and I pray that you would take one step in your faith towards Jesus, because that is what we are all about here at Crossbridge. So thank you for joining us wherever that is today. And I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Alan for leading us this morning in worship. You know, he he stepped in to help today simply because, you know, many of you know, Will is on sabbatical now. He's got his six weeks that he's gone. And um, I, I'm just so grateful. And I keep thinking back to anytime someone asks his wife, Sharon, like, oh, where's Will? And she just continues to say, oh, he's gone to be with the Lord. He's gone to be with Jesus. And, and I just love that. Like, no, he's not passed away, but he is intentionally being with Jesus to rest, be restored, to be rejuvenated. So keep praying for him. And I'm so grateful that he's got that time. And I know you're probably watching right now, looking, going, why is Jimmy wearing a Phillies hat? And it's because I need to tell you, Crossbridge, how proud I am of you. Where last week we talked about showing up and working hard to be the blessing and not be blessed. And over the Christmas time, we did a special Christmas offering that was matched to raise as much as we could to give away as much as we could. And everything we raised was given away. And I'm wearing this hat because one of the ministries that we were able to support was the Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission right over in Philadelphia, one of the most influential missions in all of Philadelphia that's open 365 days a year. They reached out to us this week to kind of let us know all of that giving that we gave them, all that money made a huge difference as we showed up as the blessing. And instead of me telling you what it is, I would love for you to hear from my friend, Jeremy, the president and CEO, how that impacted. So would you check this out with me? Hi, Crossbridge Community Church. My name is Jeremy. I am the president and CEO of Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission. As many of you know, your church has been supporting us, especially with this past Christmas offering. I wanted to take the opportunity to be able to thank you for your support because it came at a very critical time. Many of you know that we are Philadelphia's largest homeless shelter for men. We have about a 260 bed capacity here in Center City of Philadelphia. Well, throughout this pandemic of COVID-19, as you can imagine, social distancing has been a concern as well as a challenge for us in the largest congregate setting in the city. And so your gift allowed us to be able to ensure additional safety as well as protocols for our emergency shelter. We were able to purchase bed barriers. And so this is uh, an example of the way that we've been able to increase our capacity to serve more throughout this pandemic, but also to be able to ensure that every single man who lays their head on a pillow at night feels safe as well as dignified and respected. So again, thank you. Thank you for partnering with us. We certainly hope and pray that you are able to come visit us as well as to be able to serve a meal with us and volunteer with us soon. God bless you. How awesome is that? Crossbridge, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being so generous and for giving away to be the blessing not just to be blessed. Um, I, I love it, and I still think the title of this series makes all the difference in the world, that the best is yet to come, that this is a beginning to what God is doing 
in Philadelphia and here in South Jersey. And we are in week three of our series, The Best is Yet to Come, where we are in Ruth chapter three. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to Ruth chapter three. And and I'll be honest with you as we start today that I found this week as I've been preparing um, a bit more convicting than normal. And, And while this is always planned in advance, I found that the lesson that I was really trying to develop and go over hit me in a different way because I found it unbelievably difficult to practice what I'm about to preach. It just wrecked me on a different different level personally. And I'll be honest with you, what we're about to talk about, I failed this weekend. I'm not coming to you today as the expert who's like, oh, if you do this, life gets great. I'm telling you uh, as the sinful human being who's like, this is such good you know, lessons that we're gonna look at, but it's really hard to live out every day. And I feel this. And I- I'll tell you, this week, a project came across my path that really got me pumped. It got me excited. And when something really big, really challenging, and really shiny catches my attention, it gets all of my attention. It's tough for me to think about or do anything else than try to accomplish what that is. I like the the challenge, so I get tunnel vision, and it gets my attention. So in, in this project, it should really be a project that takes weeks to put together the details to work things out. Instead, I found myself in almost two days done with the majority of the work because I was so excited. Everything else kind of fell by the wayside, but it had my attention, working, planning, dreaming, praying, but I forgot one major detail in the process of all of this working. And it was simply that the timing of this project that was put in front of us It was going to impact a lot of people around me, and I never, ever thought about that. I never thought about how this would impact our church, my family, myself, our schedules, anything. It just didn't register with me. And I'm so thankful that before it was too late, it was pointed out. It was pointed out there's a major thing you missed, Jimmy. And this might come as a surprise to you, but I am not a big fan of waiting. I don't like waiting. I like to just jump in, get going, get working. I like to say like, oh, we bought a new game. Let's play the game. We'll read the instructions later. We'll figure it out. Like that's how I kind of operate. So I got so excited about the working and the planning. I didn't want to wait. And because of that, I caused an entirely different set of issues because I, I never sat and waited to be with God to figure out, is this what we should be doing? It was just so shiny and exciting. I also know sometimes, again, this is full transparency. If I, if I really don't want to do a project or something, I will use waiting as my excuse to not work. I get so comfortable saying I don't feel like doing those things that, that I'd rather say, well, I'm waiting and I'm praying about it and I'm being with the Lord and waiting for him to speak to me. It, it really, if I'm being honest, I just don't want to do what that is. It, it seems exhausting. It's frustrating. It's going gonna, it's gonna to ask too much of me and keep me from the shiny things have my attention. I think most of us have experienced this tension between working and waiting, and we can use both of these as an excuse to avoid the other and miss the lessons that God is trying to teach us in the every single day that we live. But I believe at the core of who I am that God is calling us to live a life of both working and waiting simultaneously. 
It's not an either or, it's a both and together. And if we're always working, we're gonna find that we're missing the beauty in the waiting. How it builds this trust, this patience, and this endurance that we can't get if we're always going. And, and if we're always waiting, we miss the beauty of working, of bringing value and love and worth to the community that we're part of and into the life of those who are around us. This is actually the lesson from Ruth chapter three today that we're gonna look at. Ruth is this beautiful picture of waiting, working. When do we do that? How do we do that? And so if you would, would you turn to Ruth with me? Ruth chapter three, and it'll be just very, very um, early on in your Bibles. Feel free to use the table of contents to find it right after Judges. And if you hit your first and seconds, you know, the Samuel's Kings, it's just before that. It's super tiny as it's just four chapters. And if you're joining us for the first time, let me just give you a quick recap so you know where we are. This book is beautiful in that it is so little, but it is full of details. And in chapter one, we find that there's a woman named Naomi who has experienced massive loss, her husband, her kids, and, and she is in a foreign land. The only thing that she really has left is one daughter-in-law who has done nothing but demonstrate pure chesed. And that word simply means this loyalty and kindness that this daughter-in-law, whose name is Ruth, has dedicated herself to Naomi in her loss and said, I am determined to be with you. I will go with you back to your own land where there's food and family and maybe some relationships for you. I'll, I'll go with you. And Ruth herself has experienced loss in her husband, but she goes back to Bethlehem and her desire with Naomi is to be the blessing to Naomi. So she works so hard to be the blessing. She works to provide from early morning until evening to try to take care of her in the fields of a guy whose name is Boaz. Boaz happens to be someone who is related to this family and could possibly bring some rescue and hope to their family line. Ruth didn't know that to begin with, but Naomi starts to find this hope and she begins then to bless others, even though she's been so bitter. And as Ruth continues to work in these fields, Boaz becomes this huge blessing to her because she heard about all the awesome things that she did. For It's just blessing upon blessing upon blessing, like you cannot bless each other enough. And it's been now weeks of her working in the fields of Boaz where she's been protected and safe. And after a couple of weeks, you really have to start to ask the question. And I think Naomi and Ruth are about to do this. Like, is this the way that we're gonna live life? Is this what life looks like for us? Two hurting widows living together, you young one in a foreign land and me in my homeland, but there's not enough of us to really care for the lot that we have, our field. Is this what we want life to look like? Is this okay? And so how long can this happen? As we read this together, what I would love for you to do is, is Keep an eye on this story with the lens of when are we waiting and when are we working? And I also want to kind of put one more verse before you, if you will, to have in your mind. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 16, verse nine. And this is the book of Proverbs is great. It's like little tweets of wisdom that are one after another. They're really short in character length. And they're just the great nuggets that you got to kind of set you in a good direction. And there's in Proverbs 16, verse nine, it's a great passage, passage that says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, 
but the Lord establishes their steps. And in the Hebrew, that word hearts there is simply like in their minds, in their inner beings, humans plan their course. They know where they want to go, right? But it's the Lord who establishes. In the Hebrew there's it's the Lord who determines or gets ready each one of their steps. I think it's so important for us to have a plan for our life and what we think we would like to do and where we would like to go. But I'll be honest, I think we all need a lot of establishing. We all need God to establish what that next step is for us to take instead of like keep running on ahead of them. We gotta be waiting to say, what, what step is it that you want me to take? So with that in mind, let's look at Ruth chapter three, the working, the waiting, the lens of determining our steps. Ruth chapter three, verse one. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Now, this might seem a bit insensitive when you look at it like, man, Ruth put in a ton of work for Naomi. She to show to be the blessing and now she wants to give her the boot. Like, what did she do wrong? It's, it's like a kid who's squatting at their house until they're like super adulting just because they don't want to grow up. Like, is that Ruth's issue? Now, it's not at all because Naomi is really looking out for Ruth. In this culture, it was very normal for the moms of their kids to prearrange marriages for them, that they would be on the lookout for who would be a good suitor for my child. Both men and women, uh, you know, the moms continue to be looking out. Who's best for my kid? Now, Naomi here is actually looking out for her, right? She knows that this lifestyle that they're living is not sustainable. We can't bank on, on that guy just to provide for you to walk the edges of the fields forever. Like, how long can we do this? We've got to find a way for a sustainable plan for you, Ruth, in a marriage that's going to provide safety and provision because you're still young. There's still hope for you. And, and if you're provided for, that will bring peace to me. Naomi now is trying to be the blessing for Ruth. I love this. So here's the plan that they devise. Let's jump into verse two. She says to her, Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he's going to be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, dress in your nicest clothes, then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he's finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He'll tell you what to do. Yo, it is time to go to work. That's what Naomi's saying. It is time to go to work. And this is a very different kind of work than the manual labor in chapter two, where it was like sun up to sundown. We got Ruth working, but it is still work. Gentlemen, it might take us a solid 10 minutes to get ready for something. You know, I, for me, it's even less than that. I'm trying to figure out what am I going to wear tomorrow? Guess what? Black on black. The hardest decision I have to make is which of my three hats do I want to pick, right? This is as hard as it gets for my work to get ready in the morning. But ladies, getting ready to go out, you know this is work. This is work that men aren't going to understand. And, and what we've got here is Naomi tells Ruth, it's time to go to work. I need you to pretty up. I need you to, you know, take a bath. You, you've been out working like crazy. He knows you as the worker. I don't want him to see that. I want you to put on your best clothes. Now, I don't know what a immigrant widow's best outfit looks like. It, it probably isn't the most fancy thing, but whatever it is, it looks better than work clothes. 
right? It's changing out of sweats into any dress. You look better. But here, it's you, you, we gotta work. We're gonna get you ready. I want you to run a comb through your hair, put some perfume on, and I'm sure that they started to work on this plan while they're getting ready. What is it that, that I need to do, mom? What, what's the next steps for me to take? And this is a reminder to me of that very old adage that says you need to plan your work and then work your plan, right? Have an idea what you wanna do and then make that happen and so here's the plan that they lay out. I want you to go to the threshing floor. We don't use that language. We don't know what that means. And so here's what that is. This is usually a pretty flat place that's gonna be at the top of a mountain. And it's a communal place. This is where everybody in the town goes that has their fields. They take all their wheat or all their barley, all those sheaves and bunches, and they bring them up to the top. And then what you do up there is you begin to beat them endlessly with a stick, with a, you know, a rod, something that's going to try to take the kernels and the grains and separate them from the sheaves that you have. And this is why you go to the top of the hill. They would wait for the wind to blow. It's obviously going to be higher or stronger up top as it gains that momentum. And as you throw up the grains, it starts to take the wind, blows the chaff away, and you're left with the grains. But you got to keep shifting, uh, sifting it. You got to keep bouncing it. It's wild to see that this still happens today in order to deal with gaining grain, wheat or barley, right? And so when those big harvests are done, they've gone through a lot of work to get this grain and everybody's up top on this hill with their big piles of grain working together, but they've got their piles. And when that happens, you've worked hard. You know what time it is? It's time to celebrate. It's time to say, look at what God's provided for us as a nation right now. We need to eat some, drink some, and just celebrate. And we know from Boaz, Boaz is a man who likes to celebrate. Boaz is a man who likes to bless people. And, and this is what the threshing floor is all about, is having piles around of grain and wheat that you could celebrate God's provided. But what's funny is, is you would begin to sleep next to your pile. I know that sounds weird, right? Like you, you eat, you drink, and then you sleep next to your pile. Yeah, you didn't want anybody to come and steal it. So you gotta be ready to protect your pile but everybody's kind of together, so you're working together, but you're still protecting your stuff because you've worked so hard for it. So Naomi tells Ruth, I need you to go to the threshing floor where you see all these people working, but hang back. I don't want you in the middle of it. I don't want you working it. I don't want you stepping into what you know you've been doing. I need you to hang back, watch, and when you see Boaz, find out where he's staying. Find out where his pile is. And after he's eaten and after he's had some stuff to drink and he's, you know, just so happy from the, the bountiful harvest, when he goes to sleep, I want you to go there and I, I want you to shake your barley maker. Wait, that's not what she says. She says, I want you to uncover his feet and wait there. I think shaking your barley maker makes more sense to us than uncovering someone's feet and just laying there. That makes no sense to us at all. Why would you do that? Naomi says, just, just uncover and stay there. He'll tell you what to do. And you know what Ruth's response is to this craziness? She, you look at her response in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. She says, I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night, followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. What's funny is Boaz does exactly as Naomi said he would do. 
this man who loves to celebrate life after the work is done. In verse 7, we find out he eats, he drinks, and he is in good spirits. Now, I'll be honest with you, this portion of scripture is somewhat controversial, and there are different commentators who kind of read some stuff into this. And, and if you've been part of a faith community before or part of a church, you may have heard some things about this passage that are a little unnerving. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I have trouble seeing what some of these uh, you know, pastors have said before. And, and I'll tell you why. Here, what we find is that in this case, many will say, or not many, but some will say that Boaz is completely uh, ripped, that he's just toasted right here. And, and most scholars, though, and most rabbis who understand this culture and story would agree that him getting drunk does not fit the narrative of this story or the character and the integrity that Boaz has shown up to this point and will continue to show. It just doesn't match. And, and what they say and what I agree is we a lot of times apply now 20th and 21st century culture into stories that it doesn't match. And this is not the first time it's going to happen. Uh, and I'm begging you, please, as we read the Bible together, as we soak together, as we talk about it in our Facebook group together, as we do this, I'm begging you, please, don't read our culture into theirs. We need to let their culture stand on its own. And when we don't understand it, not try to justify it as what we would do, how we would think, do things, because we do this a lot. And that's why as we go through this, I'm doing everything I can to explain these stories and explain these contexts because it'd be easy to think like whatever, but it matters to honor their culture and who they are. And it's gonna make more sense in a second why I, I kind of harp on this because there are many times as I've been taught this story, it's being taught as a rated R story. It's very explicit. Instead of what I believe is this beautiful romantic PG story that leads to uh, amazing blessing. So Boaz, I think he's got one of the meals. You know the meals when you sit down and you ordered the thing you really like and, and you have a drink you really like and you got a, you're surrounded by people who have worked hard and you're like, it was just a good day. And you're left feeling so satisfied with life and blessing that that night you rest well. And so he does and he falls asleep next to his giant pile of grain, right? And so Ruth goes into doing what? She works the plan. They know the plan, it's time to work it. And so she goes over, she uncovers his feet and then lies down. And, and what does she do? She waits. She's had all this work up to do and she's got to wait till he falls asleep. Then go over and continue the plan and then wait until she sees what's about to happen. She just has to lie there. And Naomi didn't tell her she needs to do anything. Naomi didn't tell her, you know, you need to, no, just, just uncover his feet and wait. And when he wakes up, then follow his lead. Just, just do whatever he says. This is another place that the commentators read our 20th and 21st century into the story. And in some Hebrew literature, in order to keep things a little bit more PG, they do um, tend to use code words. And there are times in the Hebrew literature, especially that they will use the word feet as a euphemism for a much more intimate area for someone for a man specifically. And here, many commentators will say that um, Naomi's suggestion here is to wait for Boaz to get absolutely ripped and then 
when he's passed out on his grain, make sure there's no way to question your intention for him. You know, take advantage of him and take care of some business to make sure that you, you get what you want out of this. That's the plan. But again, it just doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the story, the integrity, and the chesed kindness and determination that we've seen from Ruth. That's selling Ruth short as a woman and making her into a harlot that she's not. That's not her. This is why I think it's anything but a night of drunkenness and sexual promiscuity. We've seen and will continue to see how these are too honorable and they're too coherent for the conversation that's about to happen. So Ruth's work in the plan, right? She's waiting at his feet. It's a little weird. And I love verse eight. Check out verse eight with me. It says this, around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. I completely get Boaz right here. Like, can you imagine you're falling asleep after this great night of food and drink and work, and then you wake up in the middle of the night to find a random woman at your feet? What? I mean, just the fact that he woke up at midnight alone allows you to see that he's not deeply inebriated here. Like, he's, he's still coherent. But he's like, uh, so who are you? You know, this, this is not how I went to bed. This is unique. And, and this is when Ruth, who has followed everything that Naomi said up to this point, kind of takes a leap of faith. She, she's worked the plan, and now... She is about to say something that, that she wasn't asked to say or to do. Just wait for his lead, Ruth. And so what is Ruth's response to who are you? I'm Ruth, your servant, right? I, you, know, you know me. And then she says, spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. This right here is a very bold move. This, this is a marriage proposal. That's what this is. This is a marriage proposal. She's making sure Boaz knows exactly where her intentions are. There's no fancy rings, no planning, no photo shoot. Um, she's supposed to take his lead, but instead she, in humility, works the plan with a bigger goal in mind. She reminds Boaz, you're the family redeemer of our home. And I want your covering. I want you to step into what you know is your role. She wants the safety. She wants the provision. She wants Naomi to also have a future and to be cared for. And in this moment, what is she doing? She's working and she's waiting at the same exact time. She's working the plan and she's waiting for his response I think she could do this because up to this point, she could, she could really extend her faith here because she has presented the best that she could. She's worked everything she could and realizes there's nothing more she could bring to the table. She's prepared, she's worked, but still she needs to wait. God, what are you doing in this moment? And I think that God teaches and speaks to us so much in the waiting and we miss it. So how does Boaz respond to this marriage proposal? Verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This is what Boaz does all the time. The Lord, or Boaz starts with blessing all the time. And so Boaz blesses her 
boldness. And it says, the Lord bless you, my daughter Boaz exclaimed, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Another reason, I don't think those 21st century commentaries, 20th century commentaries of this is what she's doing. Virtuous women, that's not their MO. But she's been virtuous and everyone knows it. It continues, but while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there's another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Boaz here, he is floored, floored by this proposal. He's so excited. It's almost like, you know, those, we see the reversal in our culture where a man proposes to a woman and they do all that thing. Like this is him getting all like, ah, like this night just got awesome. I wasn't sure who was at my feet, but this couldn't have ended better. Like this is unbelievable. And he does what he does best. He blesses, he validates, and he celebrates her. We even get a very indirect look at how Boaz views himself. Did you notice that, that I think we have a feeling here that Ruth is, she's pretty young because he says you could have gone after someone so much younger. I absolutely believe that she's fit and beautiful. She's been working sun up to sundown in these fields with all these people. She's all dressed up and prettied up. In this moment, Boaz is probably thinking like, you could have the pick of the town. They know who you are as a virtuous woman. And yet, you chose me. They know you're chesed. But even though they know who you are and you could have had your pick, your loyalty to our family, the fact that you came my way, again, shows how deeply committed you are and determined to continue this line. I'm not sure if it's humility or if it's you know low self-worth, but he's taken aback because he thinks she could have done better. He's humbled by her choice. And, and maybe this is why he never made the move before. He didn't make the move himself to step in as a redeemer. Maybe he thought she was better then because of how much of a blessing she was. But again, her commitment to the family, he's all in. Now, he's got a plan to work, <laughs> right? He's like, wait a second, I'm not number one in line. There's someone else who's closer to you that they have the right to redeem this land and to redeem you. So now, now it's my time to work the plan. So here's what I need you to do. You ready? Yeah. Look at verse 13. Stay here tonight. And in the morning, I'll go talk to him. If he's willing to redeem you, very well. Let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So in all of this goodness, what does Boaz say? Like, yes, let's do this, let's do this. But there's someone else, let me figure this out. I gotta work a plan. Ruth, do me a favor. Yeah, wait. What? More waiting? You just said yes. I proposed and you said yes. Now wait? Wait for what? Well, wait for morning. Hey, you're probably tired. You've been up waiting for me. Wait. After all this rest, after all this waiting and working, she wakes up early and, and Boaz gives her some food to take home to Naomi and, and she gets home to Naomi. It's like, I don't know if Naomi slept that night either. Maybe she was waiting, but waiting with anticipation. Like, I wonder how it's going. And what, like, if, if I'm Naomi, I'm probably 
such a control freak that I'm going to sneak out of the house and kind of see like, yo, is she doing what we planned? Is she, did she execute those things in the order that I said? I mean, I know she looked good. She smelled good. You know, did she wait it in time? And then if I saw her like, you know, spread your clothes, oh, she ruined the plan. You know, like, would I be waiting, but really working? Waiting is so hard. And yet Naomi does it. And when she comes home and she brings everything and she says, here's the meal, Ruth tells her the whole story. And Naomi is so pumped that Boaz responded the way that he did. And now Ruth's really ready to work this plan together. She's got the two people that matter most. And with the greatest news in front of them, what's Naomi's new advice? Verse 18, then Naomi said to her, and this is how the chapter ends, just be patient, my daughter until we hear what happens, the man won't rest until he has settled things today. Her advice is just be patient. It's time to wait. Can you imagine all this work and now more waiting? And they're waiting on what? Someone else to work because this is not their time to work. They've done their work and now they wait. And in that waiting, I'll be honest, I'm not surprised that both Naomi and Ruth, as well as Boaz, never seem to have a problem with waiting. Boaz is like, listen, you, you, you need to go back to bed and go to sleep and then wake up and you go home. And I'll figure things out in the morning. Do you think he just stayed up planning? No, I think he went to sleep. He wanted to be at his peak. I got a deal to make tomorrow. I know what I need to do, but I need to wait until then. I'm not going to force this, go over to this next guy's house and bang on this door saying, I got a plan. No, 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 you just, just wait, work. They never seem to be in a rush, do they? They never seem to be hurrying to the next thing. Wait till he falls asleep. Wait till this happens. Wait, 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 work, 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 work. We think it's either or. They see it as both and. They respond to what's in front of them. They work hard. They can wait well. They recognize, recognize that God is in the everyday that's in front of them. And he's been in every step of this story so far. So why would they doubt that he's in this one? For them, even through all the pain, a healthy rhythm of working and waiting has them truly believing the best is yet to come. For us today, I believe that there are times we need to work. There are times that we need to wait, that there are times that we need to find ourselves working while we wait and wait while we're working. And God has called us to step into these latter parts, to wait while we work and work while we wait. But too often, I think that we are rushing the process, rushing the steps that God has for us. We have our, our Proverbs 16, 9 plan laid out. Our course is determined and it's God who's determining the steps, but we just don't feel like waiting for him. And I think there are times that we go to God asking for his blessing in something that we're already determined to do, but we've never asked if we should be doing it in the first place. We want him to cover us. So we lie at his feet and instead of waiting, I feel like we just poke at his feet. 
as though he doesn't know that we're there and we want to remind him that like your child is waiting for you to bless us, to bring your blessing upon us. And if we don't get what we want, we pull the corner of that robe over us ourselves because we don't feel like waiting any longer. It's time to go to work. This is what we do. We miss the waiting before God and we're looking for blessings without ever waiting. Instead of embracing this love that he has for us in rest and pacing, this invitation to just be at his feet sometimes, we quickly jumped into working more and begging for his blessing in just the work. Maybe though, we just wait at his feet. Maybe though there's, there's those times that instead of getting up to work the plan like he's put before us, to take the step that he has ordained for us and determined for us and established for us in front of us, instead of taking that, we just want to stay at his feet. We just want that nice covering of his robe that we can see, but it's so warm in this covering. It's so, it's so nice to sit and wait. It's more comfortable at your feet that work ahead, that step seems really inconvenient. It might be cold when I, when I take that off in the morning and I, I, I don't want that step. It's more comfortable to wait. We use working and waiting as our excuses, but I believe that God is calling us to a life of both working and waiting simultaneously. And when we place our trust in a redeemer to do what we cannot do, he invites us into the very story of Ruth. When we place our trust in Jesus, he says, I'm your redeemer who has worked so hard and simply waited for you. My love for you is so great. And when you place your trust in me, I place my blessing over you. I am your redeemer. Now go and work and wait and then wait and work. I love you in both of these. He's at work all around us and he calls us to embrace both the waiting and the working. And I know that this creates a huge tension for us because then we try to measure, well, am I waiting more or working more? And how do I balance it? What do I do? You know, especially for, for workers like me, I need to know if I'm working enough or not. Well, how do I do this? When will I know if I've done enough? That question, I think, is answered by the Apostle Paul when he writes to his favorite church in Philippi and his, his blessing to them in this letter of Philippians. The first thing that he says to them in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. How will we know when? until the day of Christ Jesus. The answer to when we're going to figure out balance, when we're going to figure out rhythm, when we're going to figure this all out is simple. It's either when King Jesus returns to call us home or when we die and we are entered into his kingdom. Either way, that we won't figure this out right away. This is going to be a lifelong journey that is taking to completion because I think we just have different seasons of life. Some of working, some of waiting, some of waiting while we work, and some of working while we wait. It's not all so simple to just say, here's my formula, I'm gonna make it work. And I'd love to encourage you and challenge you with one thought and one question as we close today. And it's simply, this is the, the thought is, I think we need to stop asking when and start asking where. 
I've said this before to our church, we're so concerned with when because time runs our lives and we miss the where all the time. Where is the question that we should ask God? Where am I supposed to be waiting and where am I supposed to be working? What areas of my life am I rushing you and what areas of my life am I not stepping into what you've preordained for me to do, what you've called me into? Stop thinking them as separate parts of your life, but instead see them as a simple part of God's rhythm for you. It's a both and. It's not an either or. And we live in a culture that says it has to be either or. It's chocolate or vanilla. It's Republican or Democratic. You know, it's that's, you can't have both. And yes, you can. Yes, you can. God is not a God of like, that's not how he works. He invites us into both waiting and working. We can't live just waiting or just working. God calls us to waiting while we work and work while we wait. And the question that I I have for you is when you look at your faith and how you live out your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as, as not just your Savior, but as the Lord of your life, the one that you've dedicated yourself to, A question that I think might need some consideration is, am I naturally a waiter or a worker? Am I a waiter or a worker? And you might think it's a pretty easy question to answer. And you're like, oh, this is what I do. But I want to encourage you, spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Spend some time in prayer with Jesus while you're soaping and, and ask him, who am I? Which do I lean towards because I probably need to be thinking about the other side as well. And I'm asking this because as a church, I believe that we are called to both the waiting and the working. And and I'll just be honest with you, this last year, for Crossbridge, as well as many around us, but especially for us, it's all I can speak to, it's been a year of waiting, hasn't it? It's been a year of waiting. Waiting for news on when we can get back together as a full community at the school. We're waiting on, on when we can meet in person fully as small groups all over again. We're waiting on when will CB Kids start up and I can really go back because I need that place for my kids. I have felt the refreshment and the exhaustion of the waiting right alongside you. And I've already told you, I'm not a good waiter. I'm not a patient person. And God has had a field day with my soul and on my heart in this season. I have needed this instruction and this shaping so much. And even this week in it, I have failed to wait well. And I'm sorry, this is hard. And I'm trying to look like Jesus. And I know that you are too, but I'll also be straight up. I'm worried that too many in our church have become comfortable at the feet of our Redeemer. That we we have used waiting as our excuse to avoid relationships and avoid being part of a community. When this all settles out, oh, I'll get back in. And instead you have found yourself drifting further. Instead you have found this comfort in, in the robe. And God's saying, it's time to get working. You have waited. And if you sit too much longer and soak in all my presence, you're gonna sour out. You'll be of no good to anybody. I've called you to be a blessing, not to sit, soak and sour. As a church, We have had a long season of waiting, and I believe it's time for us to move into a season of working while we wait. While we wait for Kingsway to allow us back in, we have an amazing space here at Class E Cal that God has continued to bless them and and 
we have some in-person opportunities. We have small groups that are in person. We have opportunities that are there, but we still have collectively as a church so much work to do when it comes to loving people and serving each other. We have ideas on how to open up CB Kids regularly, but you know what? We need workers, not waiters. We have so many ideas on ways that you could plug into this community of of our church of saying, how can I make our online presence as well as our in-person presence a place where anyone feels welcome? There's a place for you to start to work and not just wait anymore. The time for waiting and saying, I don't know where my spot is. There's a spot for you. And if you're part of this family, we are less because you're not part of working while we're waiting. We need each other. We've waited at Jesus's feet, and and I believe that we've received this blessing from waiting, but Crossbridge, this isn't my church. This is our church. We're never going to be at our best if we just wait. It's time to begin to move and transition into working while we're waiting for whatever God has next for us. We don't have to determine that. He says, you can have your course. I just need you to take this step. And so my question is, where is God in your faith specifically and in the, the life of Crossbridge calling you to step into working for those who have just found themselves waiting. Where is your space? And I I seriously want you to consider this because this week you're gonna get an email that's simply gonna ask you, where would you see your place to step into working? Where has God allowed you the freedom of comfort? To say, you know what, I, I could stretch being a greeter or back with CB Kids or in our youth ministry, in our online presence, in our media, like where is it that God's calling you to stop waiting and start stepping into this community together? Because if we're gonna move forward on the course that God has for us, we've been waiting well, it's time to start working. Crossbridge, I love that we get to do this together, that we get to bless our community together. It's not mine, it's not our staff's, it's not our board's, this is ours for the sake of Jesus. Let's go be the blessing and work while we wait and wait while we work. I love you so much. Let's do this together in Jesus' name, amen.